This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. If you want to create more connection and presence in your family, check out the free connection challenge that we have linked in the show notes. When you do this 10-day connection challenge, you'll find more peace and presence in your home as you take the time each day to do simple steps like looking your children in the eyes and giving them a good tight squeeze and reading out loud together and spending time in nature. We help you track those daily tasks, those little daily habits, and you'll see real results in your children as they sink into knowing their love by you and feeling connected to you. And it's going to create more joy and presence in your home as you do these simple steps. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to Emily Pepito again. She was traveling for several weeks, and so we had some wonderful conversations with Abby Halberstadt of Emma's for Mama. We had a great conversation about presence with Joy Prouty, and we also got to talk with Mary Heffernan from Five Mary's Farms about helping our children come alongside us in a family vision. But Emily and I haven't had a chance to talk about a subject that's really dear to our heart as a family, and that is parenting. We, Emily, just had a birthday last month, and so I've been a mom for 30 years now. I'm so proud and happy to be Emily's mom. And I, you know, throughout the years, our parenting as a family really changed so much. We started out listening to like some really old school people, like the Growing Kids God's Way people. And we actually took one of um, Bill Gothard's classes even. We read quite a few of the books that now people might put on their lists of hateful books that you should never read. And so our parenting in the in the really early years was more authoritarian and not very developmental, honestly. There was some issues, some problems, some real problems. But then my second daughter has some disabilities. And so we were trying to do this whole like growing kids God's way and first time obedience thing. And sometimes she just didn't understand the instructions. And there's a lot of confusion. Like, am, am I not doing this right? Am I not growing my kids God's way? Because there was sometimes delayed obedience. So she's trying to figure it out. And, and it was it actually veered into the cruel because those a lot of those teachings they don't teach anything about like how different children develop and how what is normal at different ages and how how a child with a processing disorder isn't going to be able to understand multi-step directions and unfortunately I was a very young and immature mom and so there were times that I disciplined my second child or even my first child Emily for that matter for just childish stupid things and I've obviously apologized a lot to my older kids for um, for just being too harsh and having too high of expectations and not offering enough comfort in those early years. But then for a little while, we did an opposite pendulum swing where we read some books that give the idea that you should give kids choices on everything. And, you know, it was a sort of a stressful time in our families. We were entering the teen years of our oldest children. And so a couple of my younger ones, there was very little in terms of discipline or habit training or things like that. And so we did this wild pendulum swing and I, and 
you know, I feel like through the years, through observation, through conversation, I've developed some opinions about the best way. I know Emily has also. She's actually currently, as she's finishing up her dissertation, she's nannying for a British family. And I'd love to hear just some of your perspective, even on that whole pendulum swing, Emily, and what you kind of feel from the perspective of a child in our home, but also from the perspective of an adult who has really good, clear thoughts about things. What's kind of like your ideal parenting? I think it's, I think there's a couple of things that would fall into like my ideal parenting. One is that you are the parent, they are the child. And even, even nannying, I'm realizing how hard that is because one kind of like sweet moment and you want to like share it with them or like one kind of like difficult moment and you want to like, um, sometimes you want to like shirk off the responsibility of being the one in charge or like there's been times when I've like been with them and I'll like start audibly processing, like, should we go here? Should we go there? And, and I'll like catch myself. and I'm like, Oh, like for me, my mom's audible, like your audible processing was actually a signal to me that you didn't know what was going on and you needed someone to step in and take care of what was happening. And so like the, like those little things of like, it's just been, it's just been really interesting because I think a lot of like, like you asked, like, what is my ideal parenting? I think a lot of my ideals or the realization of how unrealistic my ideals are, are like kind of going up in flames right now, which is very amusing because they're not even my kids, but still just kind of like, oh, wow, like this is, this is tough work. Um, rewarding, but tough, but kind of back to where I started with that is, is definitely one of my predominant parenting things I think is that you are the parent and they are the child. And I think there's this, I, I really struggle right now, or I'm I'm kind of battling out my own head. Like, does that mean like first time obedience? Like I was raised with that. Like, if I tell you like the, like those stories, I remember this one story in the parenting, I think it was like, um, Oh, what was his name? The Pearl, Mike Pearl. And it was talking about how like this kid like burned to death because his dad told him to jump out of the second story window into his arms and the little boy didn't obey and then died. And so it was like this like first time instant obedient message, you know what I mean? Where it was like, obey right now because your parents are starting to save your life. And then I like look at, um, you know, kind of some of the out- output of that. And, and I'm like, huh, like, I don't know that more, less for the child's sake actually, and more for the parents. I don't know that expecting that kind of obedience, especially if you're an immature parent who hasn't done all of your own healing is really good. Cause I, I just actually read counting the cost, um, which was Jill Duggar's book. And I'm kind of all over the place right now with what I'm saying, but basically reading about like Jim Bob Duggar, I'm like, he were probably a really good guy. And, and the, that authority structure of being so in charge is actually really corrupting. Like it's, it sounds really weird to say that expecting your children to obey you can be corrupting, but I've seen it in really good people, like people who I admire, people who I respect and who I really love. And all of a sudden I see them interacting with their kids and they're like, you need to obey me. I'm like, but you're acting like a child. Like, why do they need to obey you when you're being immature in this moment? And, and it's like this weird mental pedestal. And so like, but I'm also at the same time, I'm like, but yeah, like your child, like, like the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice and rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and, and the ability to, to 
you know, to be able to obey and, and learning that skill of obedience without sometimes understanding the why or the wherewithal is actually so important in our walk with God and so important sometimes even in our ability to accomplish things that we don't fully see the point of accomplishing, but that lead to great things. Um, so it's just just really processing a lot of that. But I I do think that back to my first point, the idea of like, I am, I am the parent. So I am in charge of your safety. I'm in charge of your well being. I'm in charge of nurturing you. And then it also goes the other way where it's like, you're not, you're the child. So you're actually not in charge or responsible of making me feel or look good. Like that is like, so I think important is that your child is not there to give you warm, fuzzy emotions. You have warm, fuzzy emotions because God designed our bodies to respond to the innocence of a child in a way that that causes us to feel like chemically and emotionally um, desirous of protecting and nurturing and raising them, not because that's actually where you're supposed to get those emotions from. You still should be getting those warm, fuzzy feelings from your husband and then from God and then from close friends and community and, and a good piece of chocolate and a glass of wine or whatever sort of is like the places where you, you can feed and nourish your soul, your mind, your spirit, and your body, but it's not your children. And so I think that's kind of like going back to my whole thing right there about like first time obedience is that it's okay to expect first time obedience. I think, but it's that, it's that line when, when your child for some obedience becomes an ego thing. And it's, it's like not about your ego. It's about, it's about equipping them. It's about equipping these small people, um, who are really gods. They're gods at the end of the day. And he has entrusted you with them, but they're not yours. I think in a way that we sometimes envision or even feel it without, contemplating or processing it. So I think that's one of the big things. And I think the other thing is I was watching some of like a parenting interaction today where I was nanning and I, I was like, just kind of hit me. I was like, wow, like every parent is going to do so well. And every parent is going to make so many mistakes. And, and just like, you don't know really what your child needs, but your child needs you and they need you, weirdly enough, in your strengths and they need you in your weaknesses. And I think like we, it's almost maybe counterintuitive to what I just about you being the parent and them being the child, but like you, you are part of this unit that God has put together and the issues that you cause in their life and the blessings that you pour out into their life are both part of the story that God wants to write in them like regardless of you. And so I think really like letting go of this idea that we, that we can be perfect or that we can parent with like, with this, like any sort of metric of, um, six, like metric of success in a way that we envision it. And just like leaning into like our own healing, our own wholeness, um, and accepting that, for reasons that we can't always understand and our strengths and our weaknesses, the children, our children are right where they need to be. Right. And I love that you talked about kind of that balance because there's a few thoughts that are going through my mind right now. One is that one of the big revelations for me was the Charlotte Mason and the Montessori methods, because in both methods, they treat children with respect. Whereas the earliest parenting methods that I looked into, there was such a, um, 
such an emphasis on parental rights and so little recognition that children are born persons. They are people with a soul and a spirit that we are to nurture. And so, you know, even like if I see moms interact with their children and they're kind of laughing at them or saying, oh, they're so silly or things like that, like children are people. And someday the words that you speak to them when they're little are going to be the narrative that plays to their head. I'm sure so many of you have words that your mom or dad said, maybe even carelessly, that became a, a real core negative belief about yourself. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things I would want to emphasize is just that children are persons. Your your children are not, like you said, not there to make you look good. They're not there to um, be some kind of an accolade for you. They are souls to nurture. And so taking that responsibility very seriously. But on the flip side, like for me, you know, I was I was ignorant and I was young. And so I took some bad advice. So on the flip side, I think don't be so serious about it. One of the families that we know who actually has some of the best, like we've known this family for a long time. I think all their kids are married now. They're one of the most well-adjusted families that we know. Like they homeschooled the whole way through. They um, they did have, you know, they were in a more conservative community in in so many ways. But whereas some of the people who went into kind of like the Build Gothard vision forum, some of that stuff have had a lot of fractured relationships as adults. This family, they stayed a little bit more normal, I guess. They weren't as perfectionist about their parenting and their kids all turned out so nice, like beautiful Christians, very sincere about the Lord, but also just great people. And and that brings me to the other thing. So if I was going to sum up what Emily and I are talking about, you know, for one, get healing yourself, start with getting some of your own work done so that you aren't using your children to try and recreate a failed childhood or make you somebody when you don't feel like you're anybody. So get healed yourself, respect them as people recognize that they are people do not mock them or speak ill of them in front of people. And then and then don't take yourself so seriously. Like don't don't listen to experts over the advice of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, in my own family, every single child is so different. And if I tried to say, oh, I'm going to use this method of parenting, and I'm just going to apply it perfectly. It would have been a disaster. And I've seen, you know, families where there was too much authority, and then the children grow up lying sneaks because they always had to try to, you know, keep things under wraps and sort of like tell on each other to get kudos with their parents for being the good one. I've also seen families where, you know, the children have too much authority and they're and they're so insecure and so um, just devastated by the weight of having to make every decision for themselves from early childhood. So there has to be balance in our lives, um, not not too much authority for young children and not too little choices and too much overbearing parenting. And all of this just takes listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to, you know, even even just knowing people, like being around other families and, and observing, paying attention, not just families whose oldest child is 12, because it's really easy to get advice from people whose, you know, oldest child is quite young, and it can look very orderly. But then, you know, even with the Duggars, I mean, I'm sure like at the end of Jill's book, she talks about how 
how many things her parents did right. We're talking about counting the cost by Jill Duggar. And, you know, there was, there was a lot that she could validate about the way her parents parented. But I think for her and her sister, who both wrote books, I think that their parents trying to apply somebody else's method religiously was a big part of their downfall. And then also being on a, being on TV. So also maybe don't have your kids on Instagram all the time. I love that summary. I feel like you summed it up really well. And I feel like those are such solid points because you're not saying do this or do that, but you're just giving these really core, um, I think kind of easily or universal beautiful things about the way we treat our children, the way we really interact with them, which I think is. And you know, the best, it's funny because there's almost no Christian parenting books that I can recommend to people. And I feel really sad about that. Like obviously Mothering by the Book is a great book to read because it will help you overcome the fears that make so much of the messes that we do as moms. Like if I hadn't been so afraid, I wouldn't have been rude to my husband and being rude to your husband is one of the worst things you can do as a parent. And if I hadn't been so afraid, I wouldn't have been so controlling and control is one of the worst things you can do as a parent. So overcoming fear, mothering by the book is a great resource for that. But honestly, Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne is one of my absolute favorite parenting books because it's such a a really good balance of authority and also freedom. And I think that so much of discipline, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these early parenting teachers, they didn't talk at all about atmosphere. And Charlotte Mason says, education is an atmosphere, a discipline and a life. And atmosphere is one of the teachers. But because these early parenting books only talked about like getting your kids to obey or being an authority or or kind of just a behavior modification, but they didn't really talk about, you know, what kind of atmosphere are you creating in your home? For one thing, an atmosphere for success for your children. Like if you have a bunch of junky food that's going to hype your kids up, then don't discipline them because they're misbehaving when you fed them badly. Or, you know, if you're going to have your kids just sitting on screens all day, don't discipline them at the end of that because they're annoying when you ignored them all day. So there are some, there are some like atmosphere things that we can do, like having a peaceful daily routine or, limiting screen time or giving your children eye contact and the connection challenge. If you're having problems, behavior problems with your children, that's actually an excellent way to start solving those behavior problems because children who feel unloved by you, who feel overlooked or even worse, who feel like they're an irritant to you are going to behave in an irritating way. So if you treat your children like, Oh, you're such a little bother they're going to start acting like that. They can pick up even on your emotions. But if you treat your children like they are a delight, they will be a delight. And, and you know, my, my children were delightful. They were so easy and fun to be around. And, and, you know, like I said, there's one that we kind of failed with early discipline. Some of them, we overdid it. Some of them, we underdid it. But But I think just being with your children and wanting to be with them in large part helps them be delightful. But then also, um, what about the other aspects of your atmosphere? Like, do you delight in your children? But also, are you having a lot of fights around like cleaning up the toys? Well, maybe you just have too many toys. Or are you having a lot of fights around eating their food? Are you, maybe you just need to offer some food and let them eat what they want to eat off of the healthy plate of food and then don't make a big fight out of it. I feel like there are things that we 
in our earlier parenting made into big fights and big dramatic situations that really weren't such a big deal. And there's a lot of dysregulation that happens for us as parents and then for our children when they pick up on our attitudes over kind of silly things in retrospect. Totally. And I think it's, I mean, thinking about like the way I was raised, like I remember, like I have a few close friends who are kind of raised in the same, like different families, you know, but same kind of culture of like obedience and, you know, and just elements of like the kind of the the movements in the nineties that were conservative, kind of top down oriented. And, and they're always like, yeah, like I still feel, you know, embarrassed about wearing a bikini sometimes, or like, it's still hard for me to like find my voice because of how my parents like raised me and, and, and just kind of like these like blame things. And I'm like, Ooh, that's actually not about how your parents raised you. That's a personal problem because I was raised the exact same way and I have no problem finding my voice and I have no problem wearing what I want to wear. Like, like, and not doing it in rebellion, but simply doing it because I've like worked it out with the Lord and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's okay for me to wear. And that's not okay for me to wear. And I have an opinion on this and I might be wrong, but I'm going to give it because I definitely think you're wrong. And I'm kind of joking, but like, like I don't have a problem with it. And so it's, I see a lot of this, like overall with parenting, I see a lot of people in my generation and, and probably a little bit younger, a little bit older than me who are like, oh yeah, like I have these problems because my parents raised me under this parenting philosophy or I have these problems because of this ideology they had or they made this mistake or they made that mistake or they did this wrong or they did that wrong. And I'm like, well, for one thing, it's not about the parenting ideology. Like you and dad, you guys were you guys were so active about being intentional parents. And so we, like, I know that there was like residuals of that, like, you know, some of the different aspects of it, of like parenting, like growing kids God's way or whatever. But you guys were so intentional about continuing to research and also about loving and caring for us. Like you were, it was pretty early on that you were like, have you got enough food? Have you got enough water? Like, did you get enough sleep? Like caring about those sort of developmental layers. And so I'm like, well, if your parents weren't doing that, it's not because of the philosophy so much as it is your parents had unhealed issues that you should be having compassion for rather than finding things to blame. And two, like, this is the thing is like, as a child, like, obviously I want to parent well, but I'm, I'm also at this point in my journey where I'm like, I am reading a book right now called Subliminal by Leonard. Mm, I can't pronounce his name. I'm going to read it off the cover. It's like Mladenov, and he's um, writing about how our memory formation, like they did all these memory studies where they had people like write down where they were when they found out about 9-11 and they had them write it down within like a day of it happening. And then they had them write their memory down five years later about where they were on that day when they found out and their memories of some of these people were like, Oh, I was alone in my room. And that's what they wrote the first time. And then the second time they're like, Oh, I was in the cafeteria and I just stood on the table and I shouted that had happened. Everyone started crying. Like, like not just like minor discrepancies in memory, but these giant, giant changes and distortions of what actually happened. And so like, yes, I want to be a godly parent and yes, I want to be an intentional parent and I want to, I want to have humility and I want to be tender towards my children and, and, and have a heart, like the heart of Christ and the heart of God towards them. Um, but also on the other side of it, as a child who grew up under various structures with, with parents who adored me, but who also were, were dealing with their own pain and their own 
you know, their own process and their own journey. Um, especially like coming out of a, like, like my, like you and dad came out of a generation who did not have the tools to deal with these things. Like my generation has tools at our disposal to have an emotional awareness and health and well being that enables us to do hard things and enables us to love well and enables us to have compassion, enables us to like have grit that, that, that your generation really didn't have. And so like, as a child, um, I'm like, no, like, like I see who I want to be and I'm not going to let any accidental mistakes that were made hinder me from walking in, in what God has for me, hinder me from walking in the fullness of who he created me to be or hinder me from enjoying and loving the beauty of being a Pepito and the beauty of what you guys invested in and the beauty of what you created and the beauty of what you attempted and the beauty of how much you loved us. Like, like I'm going to take ownership for what hurt at this point. And I think as a parent, like I obviously want to love my children, don't want to cause trauma, but also being like at the end of the day, also handing them over to God and being like, okay, God, like I also tried my best and just, and just hoping and praying that we start having legacies of multi-generational legacies of, of hearts of children who are turned towards their fathers and their mothers and hearts of parents who are turned towards their children. So that it's not about the mistake, but it's about this, this culture of moving together in like the Bible says, how blessed is it when brethren dwell together in unity? And so this culture where we were not blame casting, we don't have children being like, oh, my parents screwed me. And parents being like, oh, my children are really hard. But this, this unity of like, we are a family working this out together and we're in this together and just, yeah, just really, I think, and that's, you know, maybe less of a, of a thing to parents, but, and more to a thing of, if you're my age and you're a parent, or if you're a little bit younger than me, a little bit older than me and you're a parent of having that mindset of like, how can you start seeking restoration in the way that you were parented that maybe feels like it's continuing to hurt you so that you're creating a legacy of restoration for your children so that even when you do make those mistakes because of pain that exists in your heart that we can't always stop the outpouring of um, where you have this this legacy of of restoration. Yeah, so many things that come up with what you're saying too, Emily, because for one thing, you know, we, I, I'm just so grateful that my children have been so forgiving of our mistakes because we really were experimenting. A lot of new concepts were coming out and a lot of them were very destructive. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that my children have been gracious enough to, when we've come to you and said, you know, we did this and it hurt you. We please forgive me. You guys have been gracious to forgive us and stay in relationship. And we are not, um, we don't take that for granted because I know it's not everyone's story. And, you know, I think one of the things that helped with that is as you, as you guys transitioned, we, we didn't try to still be this, you know, overbearing authority. We, we tried to be friends with you guys. I mean, you, you're amazing people with amazing ideas and we admire each of you adult children and love learning from you and love, you know, love hearing what you have to say. Love seeing your perspective. Also, you know, you were talking about getting healing. And I think that it's so important to just recognize how you treat your own parents is a model for how your children will treat you as they age. And it's, it's been really eye opening, because it was easy for me to think, oh, my parents did this and that, and, you know, they should have done this better and that better. But no matter what we do, 
our kids are going to see our mistakes. Like I, I set out to be a perfect parent. Like my mom and dad were parenting a lot of the time in survival mode because of life circumstances. But I was like, so intentional about it. I mean, I read every book, I went to conferences, I went to seminars, like everything we did was so thought out. And yet we still made mistakes that hurt our kids. So none of us, no matter what we do are going to be free from mistakes and keeping an attitude of humility towards our own parents, especially if you are a parent, is one way to sow those seeds of forgiveness and grace so that when your children grow up, they will offer that same forgiveness and grace to you. And that doesn't mean that you have to stay in intimate relationship with people who are breaking your heart every time you see them. But it does mean starting to, like Emily said, you know, get healing, work through forgiveness, invite Jesus into those memories so that you're not still living from the the viewpoint of a wounded, broken child. There's so many more things that we could talk about on this subject. It's like, um, I had a couple of questions even come in from the Peaceful Loop group and that group is going to open back up in January. We're going to be going through my new book. So mark your calendars for that. It's going to be an amazing year working through habits for a sacred home together. But one, one of my friends in there asked about authority. And we we kind of address that a little bit, but I just want to reiterate, when your children are young, it is important to be the person in charge. It offers so much peace and security to them when they know that they don't have to make every decision. You know, we I've been watching the Gilmore Girls with my 16-year-old daughter, and, and it's so painful to watch because she does to the nth degree, what I even did to you, Emily, like you were such a mature and wise child, and you were the oldest of all my seven kids. So I unfortunately, put too much on you this role of like co parenting with me and asking you questions and, and talking to you about my problems as a mom. I mean, just really, you know, that's another thing I've had to really apologize to Emily, quite a lot for is is that inappropriate position of putting a child into the role of parent. Because children don't, they don't deserve that. They don't need that heavy burden. I feel so sad about what that stole from you in childhood, Emily. But I just want to reiterate for moms who are asking, like, it's okay for you to be in charge. And that doesn't mean that you can't have emotions in front of your children. But the big questions of your life, the big questions of your marriage, those should be talked about with your peers or a counselor and not with your children. Um, That King Alfred quote comes to mind, you know, if you have a fearful thought, share it not with a weakling, whisper it to your saddle bow and ride forth singing. And on the flip side of that, though, I think processing things out loud with your kids when you've resolved it is okay. Because the other side of that, like there's the book Baby by I think Patricia McLaughlin, and it's about a family and they lose a child and nobody talks about it. And I think that's also very traumatic for children when there's something serious going on and no adult will process it with them or help them process it. And so I think on the one side, be in charge in your children's life. Do not make them your co-parents. Feel good about being the parent because that means you're the one who's keeping them safe. Process with a peer. But The other side of that coin is when something serious is going on, you know, first of all, protect them from the, the brunt of the emotion. Like they don't need to know about war in Israel. Your children don't need to know about the gory details of terrible things that are happening around the world. They aren't, they're not made to handle that kind of information. But if there's something that directly affects them, that's in your family, you know, you're, you're, you're a parent passes or you have a miscarriage, some of these things that are really heartbreaking, they affect your family, go ahead and talk about it with them 
especially when you can do it with a little bit of a hopeful narrative. Like one of the things I love it when my husband says to me, if I'm dysregulated is I know this is hard, but we'll get through it. And so learn to say something like that with your children. Like, I know you saw daddy and I raise our voices each other. I know that felt really hard and I'm sorry about that. And I know that we'll get through it because God is with us. So come up with some phrases that you can say to your children to kind of bring them comfort and stay in that place of authority and of guiding them through trauma as you, as they grow and as you guys experience life together. Emily, do you have any final words about parenting for this special episode? I think just on that last thing you were saying about like the, the processing with the kids or like giving them. And I think I, I cannot be said enough that your personal emotional growth and maturity will always be one of the best things that you can do for your children. And like the, the processing that is so important and being able to like, you know, the Bible says grieve with those who grieve and rejoice with those who rejoice and being able to, you know, allow your children to at a, at an age appropriate level experience pain, um, and the resolution of pain and experience argument and the resolution of argument and all of that stuff. And I think, but, but again, it's like, they're, like you said, they're, they should not have the brunt of your processing. And there are some things that they, they don't need to know. And also I think like the, the ability to calm them down, children are very smart. And so if you tell them, Oh, everything will be okay but you actually don't in any part of you feel like everything's going to be okay. They will, they're too intelligent at a level that they can't always communicate or recognize themselves. Um, and they will know that there is a falsehood in that and it will stress them out. And so it's like, learn how to learn how to just also hug them. Be like, come here. Like, let me just give you a big hug. Let me just hug you because maybe you can't in all honesty say everything's going to be okay because you actually, maybe you have dealt with so much stress in your life that your stress reaction to things is so high that you can't say that in the moment and have it be true in your head and your body. And that's so important. And so it's like, you can just give them a big squeezy hug and be like, I love you. Like, let me just hold you for a minute. Or, um, or you can be like, you know, what, we're just all going to sit here for a minute and we're going to all cuddle for a second. Or let's, um, you know, let's just go look at the stars for a second. Like you can, you can do something active that, that can calm them down and actually bring them out of their, out of their emotions, kind of back into a place of being a little more at rest without having to either lie to them or, or like, or express something that you and your own body actually don't feel in that moment. And that's, this is more, I think about emotional health, not about parenting, but I think it's really important to understand and realize. And when you're, when you're doing that. Right. Which just brings us back to the need for, you know, working through our issues and in upcoming episodes, we're going to be talking to Jason Van Allen about emotional health and about uh, getting healing after trauma and also June Miller who wrote the book Boundaries for the Soul. So I'm really excited about some episodes that'll be coming in the new year to really encourage your own emotional health because it's such a core part of being a great mom, a great homeschool mom, having a restored family is is having a restored soul and, and Jesus, he restores our soul. And so there are ways that we can allow that to happen in a more, um, almost assertive way, as opposed to just 
kind of going along and not letting him in, not letting him into that pain. So we've gone a little bit longer than normal on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a joy to chat with you about all things parenting. And if you have questions that you'd love us to answer about parenting or homeschooling, you can reach out to us at hello at thepeacefulpress.com. We'd love to answer those questions or even feature some of your questions on future episodes. Thanks for joining today. 